this is Robert Dillon, the host of the Help Me Understand podcast. Thanks for taking some time to be a part of this project. Listening for ideas and inspiration in a world that continues to be filled with noise is at the heart of this podcast. I'm excited to share my journey to understand in deeper ways by listening to the passionate ideas of educators, thinkers, and entrepreneurs. Help Me Understand is a small opportunity to be hopeful and experience the best parts of humanity. Welcome to today's episode. This episode features Amber Tiemann. Amber is a principal, an author, a thinker, and it was great to catch up with Amber. She helped me understand a lot about the Enneagram and how it has positively impacted her leadership, relationship with teachers, and hiring at Witt Elementary. Amber also shared what it feels like to be a principal in quarantine, as well as how she's playing principal at home with her two daughters. I hope you enjoy this lively and entertaining episode with Amber Tiemann. Amber, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, how is it uh, being the principal of your own home? <laughs> My goodness. It is, it is a daily challenge, Bob, not going to lie. Um, I've got a fourth grader and a senior, so two different dynamics. Of, of handling and dealing and, and every day. You know, here in Texas, they haven't officially said we are done this year. So I am going to be the happy, bouncy, positive person and hope maybe even for just a couple of days to be able to say some goodbyes. So we'll see. Yeah, lots of uh, conversations going on all over the country about how to do graduations and how to do final touches with teachers. And is that in July? Is that in August? Do we come back in the same grade level and do great? I don't know. We're all figuring it out as we go along, but uh, glad to hear that your family's healthy and that you're doing okay. Uh, for listeners, where would, where, where are you? Where like physically are you located and where do you work? Yeah, I am in Wiley, Texas, um, which is outside of Dallas. It is a suburb town. I'm the principal at Witt Elementary, 680 of the cutest and smartest wolves in all the land, but we are Texas proud and, and just trying to do what we can do um, definitely in this season. So. Yeah, so for folks uh, familiar with Dallas there, where like directionally are you from? Like, I know McKinney and I know Flower Mound. I know kind of the north part people. Are you that yeah. direction? We are, um, Mur I, I physically live in Murphy, which is just right next to Wiley. It's between Garland and Plano, south of McKinney. I really relate directions to fast food restaurants, Bob. So if you could name like some restaurants that you know. Do you have a Bucky's near you? I guess that's the real question. <laughs> there is a Bucky's within driving non-ridiculous distance yes so yeah, I, was, I, I was in Denton is it the one in Denton that's the one that I saw when I was working in Denton recently I was like this is a oh. whole thing to experience so anyway yeah my um, senior plans oh, that's where she plans on going so Denton's only about 45 minutes away that's not too far oh yeah that's that's, that's right I, I remember that um and so we are a couple years away from that in our home um any advice any parenting advice on how to uh get to that point without losing your mind no, actually, I'd have zero advice that I will say that I did not know that the junior year was the year I should value and take advantage of her being around because her senior year, she's just gone all the time, all the time, friends, working, school. I didn't realize that those junior nights and junior trips and junior vacations were the ones that I should, I kept thinking, I have one more, I have one more. Mm -hmm. You still have them, but it's a, you're in bed after home after I've already gone to bed because you work and then you sleep while I'm at work. It just is a, that senior year, again, is, is crazy fast. 
All right. Well, that's yeah, that's that's good enough advice. So we're having a weird end to our freshman year here, and so uh, we lost. Uh, my daughter wanted to. She'd never played soccer in her life. We go to a really small public school here in St. Louis, and uh, basically, if you look halfway athletic, they're like, "Hey, you need to be on the track team. Hey, you need to be on the soccer team." So she was like, three weeks of practice in, first games right around the corner, and then they pulled the plug. So. Um, she's a volleyball player, but, uh, I'm excited because I'm a soccer guy to see her on the soccer field. So hopefully that's part of the sophomore year. We'll see who knows a year from now, that may be a passing thought. So who knows? Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah. So, um, where are you seeing, uh, the best of humanity right now? I know it's easy to kind of race to the mess, but where are you seeing the best of humanity right now? You know, this is my fifth year at WIT and five years ago when I started, um, my master's degree is actually in technology and curriculum. And so I had all these grandiose plans and ideas our classrooms could look like and how we could be so innovative and creative. And honestly, it, it took five years and a pandemic <laughs> for my people to, you know, just kind of jump. But I have 100% of my students engaged and interacting with our teachers and Every one of my teachers, including the one who didn't buy a smartphone until I was named principal because he was resistant to technology they are they are managing it and taking charge and being incredible and the fact that none of them have given up every single one of them has had a breakdown moment and we have talked to one of those um but i am so incredibly thankful that that i am five years into this process because i do have those relationships and i know who my panickers are i know who my warriors are being able to to connect and have them be honest and genuine with me um, about their struggles and be transparent with that vulnerability. Um, the collaboration has been off the charts. I mean, what we've never seen before. And there's just something about this situation that's causing people to lean on each other and to have these open, vulnerable conversations that we weren't having six months ago, we weren't having two years ago. But right now, everybody is struggling and everybody recognizes that this isn't a Wiley thing, this isn't a wit thing, this is an international thing, and it's just kind of what we're gonna have to get through together. Yeah, and I'm seeing the same. And, uh, you know, I think that speaks to the leadership that I love that I, I kind of get to see from afar. Like you keep really high expectations, but you have a real deep sense of kind of grace filled leadership, right? Like, you know, we're human beings. We make mistakes. We can get through this together. Every day is not going to be perfect. And um, I, if you if you don't know it, I think that comes across in how you lead. And so I, I know that your staff probably really appreciates that in this moment. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that's how I lead all the time, even non-pandemically panicking. Um, because I, I agree. I think that that was when we set these expectations initially. That was my first conversation was none of us know what we're doing. So nobody assume that I have any expectations of anything right now. I just want you to be okay. I want your families to be okay. I want to get through this and come out on the other side better, stronger, and closer. Yeah. Um, this isn't the time for us to, to be rocket scientists. This isn't the time where I anticipate um, you just blowing it out of the water and impressing everybody. I just want us to figure it out and let's get through it. So I, I hope that, that that comes across that way. But thank you. Yeah. And, and I'm seeing that level of confidence every day get a little bit better. Like, oh, I can do this online or I can give kids this. And if they don't get it, I'm seeing a lot of my teachers do that as well. And I'm sure that the groundwork that you laid has helped in even those conversations, even though they get deeper and more meaningful now because you have to do them. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm seeing a little bit of the fruit of the labor over the last three or four years for myself as well. So, um, are you missing sports? 
Oh my gosh, I watched the Super Bowl between the Steelers and the Giants the other night. If that tells you how much I am missing sports, because I don't like either one of those teams. No, it wasn't the Giants, it was the Packers. It was the Packers Steelers. And I was tweeting or texting some friends who were like, spoiler alert, do you want to know who wins? And I was like, leave me alone. I'm in the bubble. And I just wanted to watch sports. Troy Aikman was calling the game. It was fantastic. Yeah, I know your love of Troy Aikman. I had my uh, master's fix this weekend, right? Like, so I'm a, I don't watch golf all the time, but like I was watching the 2004 masters, like it was just happening. So like, I was like, oh, what a great shot. I'm like, yeah, he loses. Like, I know that he's <laughs> going to win, but it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter. And being a St. Louis guy, we are itching for baseball. Like that's like, it's oh. like its own thing here. And um been really hard I mean I get I know that sports plays an important role in healing ourselves as a country but um it also seems small compared to everything else we're dealing with but even that I need something to watch <laughs> seriously I did not realize how much of my background noise was a game was sports radio was the conversation it just is a glaringly absent place in my world yeah, I know that we all have our opinions about Joe Buck. He stands beside uh, Troy Aikman sometimes, but uh, he's a St. Louis guy, and he's been doing all these, like, random sports calls of, like, dogs running around, and you can tell he's oh, going crazy, goodness. too. They've been fun, though, so if you haven't been over there, uh, they're, they're kind of funny. I'll have to – I'm a fan, but, again, I'm kind of biased, so. Yeah, fair enough. So um, one of the things that I, I said we wanted to talk about uh, has been something I've watched kind of social media wise coming out and kind of uh, caught my attention is the, the Engram, right? The Engram, how do you pronounce that, right? Enneagram. Yeah, Enneagram, okay, right? Like I just mm -hmm. can never get the syllables right. Um, it seems like it's been a, a place for uh, self-discovery and self-reflection for you. And uh, I'd love to hear both a little bit about what it is and then a little bit how it's playing a role for you. Yeah, so the Enneagram, by no means am I an expert. There, I have a very, have some, some really good connections, and I'll tell you about those in a second. But it was something that my husband brought um, to my attention several years ago, and it was a, one of his fire captains were having a class at their house, and they were doing a Enneagram class through their church. And so my husband was in, okay, let's go check it out. So we went and it was an entire day. It was an eight hour day. And the way that they prefaced it was that it was through um, the nine personalities of Christ. And so you spend this entire day, just, it's a different personality typing test. So it's similar to like a Myers-Briggs or a Gallup or something along those lines to where there are nine personality types. And while you'll have separate components of all of them, um, the difference with the Enneagram is that it starts with your motivations. And so while you may think, oh, well, I am, I'm a this, but, but are you that because of the reason why you're doing something, or is that just what you're answering a test and responding to? So, you know, you open a magazine and you take a 10, 10 answer quiz and, oh, I'm a type EJ 9-7. Then it works differently in that it is that self-discovery. But what I love is that it focuses in on some of your areas of weakness. And so again, it has that balance of here's where you are when you're um, successful and thriving and in a healthy place but here is the underside of that personality trait and characteristic as well and so I did it with my husband I thought that I was two which is a helper is what it's called um, and so I spent several years just going through life before this got real big um, oh yeah I'm a two I've done the Enneagram um, and then recently like you said it has kind of spiraled and become this really big popular um, 
current type of trend. And so I had someone message me and say, Hey, I don't think you're a two. I think you need to, to do it a little bit more. Again, I took a class one day and I'm done. Right. Um, and so once I started reading more and understanding that core motivation, which is what really again drives who you are on the grand scale. Um, I agree that I didn't necessarily think I was the helper. Um, so again, it's nine different personalities. And so let me tell you what the nine are. And then you just think it's based on the title. Like, oh, I could be this. Okay. We have the number one, which is the reformer. Number two, the helper. Three, the achiever. The individualist. Five, the investigator. Six, the loyalist. Seven, the enthusiast. Eight is the challenger. And nine is the peacemaker. And so you may think, well, several of those might describe me. Um, yeah, I can take the ones out that I'm not. Like, that's easy, right? Like I can get about halfway through and be like, no, not the peacemaker. Not me, not me. No, yeah, I can get that far. So uh, yeah, keep going. So it has, been, it has been fascinating. And the more, once I had dug in recognizing not being a two, which was, again, generous, people pleaser, super possessive, um and like they give you the job traits like oh if you, you're a counselor or a teacher and i was thinking oh yes that's me i was a teacher that's what i wanted to be um but again why do i want to be a teacher is it because i want to genuinely be selfless and give up for other people or is it because i want to feel important hmm. and is it i want to feel as if i matter and and that i don't want to be alone and i don't want to be um someone people forget and so when you get into those kind of distinctions, it really starts to kind of define, I'm not actually a two. A two is very selfless and they, they want to replace themselves with other people's wants and needs, which is great and kind and wonderful. That is not me. <laughs> so like, so, so I'm thinking of my wife, probably a two, right? Like she is like uh -huh. off the, like, she's like in the spectrum of like twos way over here. Uh -huh. um, what, did you have some guilt about moving from a two to being a three? Like, maybe I'm not as kind as I thought. Maybe I'm not as genuine. Maybe I'm not as altruistic. Did, was there like a guilt shift that happened there? Or was it just more but of I a like, too, yeah. I think what it became more honestly was all of the things that I've always thought about myself that were annoying traits. And I say annoying and that's not, that, that's not the right word. Um, I remember in my, my senior year of high school, my drill team director telling me, you care entirely too much about what people think about you. You've got to let that go and you've got to stop doing things just because of the way you want to be seen by people. Well, that's, I'm a three. And that is one of the fundamental characteristics of a three is that we care entirely too much about how we're seen. And we think that the way that we're seen is what defines our value. And it, it that's just one example, but there's probably 10 of things that I've, myself I'm too emotional I get too attached I get too possessive of my friends all of these things that I think oh that's that's who I am but it's mm -hmm. totally defined in the Enneagram and it helped into some of those like being possessive of my friends is because I don't think that they're going to value me if I'm not front and center in their face being successful mm -hmm. that was a crazy thing to, to discover but it then helps me when I start to feel clingy <laughs> or or like oh, I'm gonna buy her a present so she'll love me okay, wait, is that real, Amber? Or is that you mm. think that this is true? And so it's just kind of some reflection that helps even as a leader. Um, when I did this with my leadership team, 
it has been incredible. It's been incredible. And again, I am by no means an expert. And so if there is an expert listening who thinks she's got that all wrong, call me. I'd love to talk about it. Um, I have teachers who are scared of conflict and they don't want to call parents and they don't want to engage. And whereas before I would think, get it together. Let's go people. Now I'm like, Oh wait, but you're a nine. And that's what it is. Like your entire mode of operation is to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. You never rock the boat. You want to have conflict. And so once I know that I can go into the conversation differently instead of, Hey, I need you to call. It's, Hey, do you want to do this together? Is there, are there some, some sentence starters that I can help you with? Help make sure that we keep the tone positive and collaborative and that you guys can, can come to a consensus on a decision versus me just thinking, Ugh, they don't want to do it. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that that's where all of those personality things have helped me as a leader is when I have a better sense of the strengths and let's call them strengths. Like there's no, like, there's not the nine weaknesses. It's like each one of them have their own strengths to them. Um, when I knew other people's strengths, I was able to play off of those better. And we were mm -hmm. able to have these kind of more objective conversations about what was going on, as opposed to thinking it was a character flaw of someone's, as opposed to, well, that just doesn't fit into your strength of who you are as a person. So that's where I always saw the value. Maybe I'm not as self-reflective of a person as I should be, but I found it is an opportunity to really um, help and really assist the people that were around me. So I'm glad that you're able to kind of take that out to concentric circles uh, uh, to some other folks in the building. So I hope the people in your building don't feel like that every day is an Enneagram day though in the building. No, not at all. And, and again, it's funny. One of the things I say is you can't use your number as a, my husband is a one. And so he is, he is so perfectionistic. He is black. He is white. There is no gray. It is right. It is wrong. And he's a fireman, which Self well to to that sort of personality, but when I remember that he is being a one because that's who he is and how he was wonderfully and beautifully made, even if it drives me crazy, can try to be a little less angry and annoyed by him because he's always going to do that. He's always going to default to being that person, and the and the reason why is because he wants to be right and he wants to do right, and he's trying to be helpful with everyone. <laughs> trying to make everyone else be right as well. Um, but when I remember that he's not just trying to drive me crazy and, and make me hurt him, uh, I remember that that's just who he is. It's incredibly, it's a release for me of thinking it's something wrong with me, but no, that's just how he is. I think that that has been, it, I mean, it's been great for our marriage in the sense of, okay, I should have known that this was gonna happen because this is what you do and you do it all the time. And the same with me, I need praise and I have to be told that I'm doing a good job. And so him being able to see and hear and know those things, you know, Gallup or Myers-Briggs, we do the Gallup in Wiley ISD. And so it was incredible to me to watch my Gallup completely overlay on top of the Enneagram and 100% mesh. And I don't know that I've ever seen that before. The Gallup being the one that we've invested so much time and energy in our district, all of our teachers take the survey. We have our strengths listed outside of our door. So at any given moment, my superintendent can walk into a, a teacher's classroom and have reviewed what her top five Gallup strengths are. And he does that on a regular basis. Um, when I took that leadership team and we did the Enneagram, they were able to speak to the succinctness of this as well. And it not just, again, balance about, oh, you're a this, that makes that okay. It's a, here's why. And here's how you can handle that and how you can have that conversation, which as a leader is so much more important than knowing that, hey, she's an activator. Okay, 
motivated her because she wants to be successful. So how can I help her be successful versus being annoyed that she's so take charge? So is your number one Gallup achiever as well? Mm -hmm. It's activator, achiever, positivity, developer, which again are all of, they're all words that fall into that. And so it's, there's so much Instagram and pin, I mean, obviously all the places, but it is, it is shocking to me how very much it matches and aligns. And again, I have friends is a, she does some Bible study teaching things and Suzanne Stabile, who has written on and spoken on the Enneagram for a very, very long time, does a cohort. And so she has gotten the privilege of being in a cohort with like this guru of the person. So all of our conversations, all of our interactions, everything centers around the Enneagram. And so getting to hear her talk through different personalities and again, recognize how it can be diffused or how it can be addressed in a positive way versus a confrontational way has been very empowering for me, again, knowing that my people are not showing up to be average, they're not showing up to not be who I want them to be or who our students need them to be. Um, it's been a game changer. And I don't say that lightly because I mean, you and I know there's lots of trendy buzzwords, yep. um, but having them dig into and also with all of those strengths finders, those and just talking about the things that you're really, really good at. The Enneagram has forced our teams to balance those weaknesses to say, Hey, I know why you're not choosing something. It's because you're scared of making somebody mad. I know why you're so emotional. It's because you're reading into something five years ago that you think is happening now because you're a four. It has just been, it's been fun to watch them strengthen their relationships, both vertically and horizontally, um, through something that we just did at a leadership retreat because I thought it was super fun. Yeah, one final question about that before we start to wrap up is, uh, has that started to leak into your hiring? Because it seems like if you were hiring for a third grade team or a fifth grade team, you'd want to balance some of those things out. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if you're giving all the people uh, some sort of survey around that, but uh, wondering if you're thinking about that when it comes to hiring. Well, I think that, that hiring, I think, is the, this, the, one of the most important things that I do. The first one I think being, I put my hands on every one of those kids cards before I place them in a classroom and I pray and I think and I wonder where that best fit is for them to be successful. The second most important thing is building a team that can be successful. And that means you have to have people who look like me, talk like me, act like me, walk like me. I need all the personalities. And um, so our questioning has definitely been refined and it's way less talking. Talk to me about a lesson you had where you struggled. We don't do any of those cliche Googleable questions anymore. They are digging into interpersonal relationships and what it means for that person to be successful. And we will, as soon as the person walks out, say, she's totally a six. I can see <laughs> she's a six. Um, and we're probably wrong like 50% of the time, but it's fine. Um, because we do, we do recognize that the, the tone and the personality of our teams is only going to be as strong as we allow ourselves to be. And I can teach you how to teach first grade and I can teach you how to be a strong ELA teacher, but I can't teach you to love my kids and love people. And, and if the questions we're asking don't get to the heart of whether or not you can love our people, then we're asking the wrong questions. Yeah. And if we haven't learned anything in the last years is that we have an empathy deficit everywhere, right? Like, can we just um, slow the judgment, uh, be kind, uh, try to put ourselves in each other's shoes a little bit more, recognize each other's stories, all those things that really matter. So uh, some final questions. Um, 
what are you listening to on Spotify these days? What's, uh, what's, what's on your music? If I said, um, go, what would you be listening to right now? Well, you know, I am in Texas, so I'm a Texas country girl. So right now I've got a Texas country playlist that just plays in the background so that I can get through these tasks and feel as if I'm at a dance hall. Yeah, uh, Tyler Childers, is he Texas guy? Like I just fell across him. Uh, maybe there, there you go. There's something for you to try out today. Right. Tyler Childers, I just heard him and um, really like that. So um, okay. um, that's fun. And then um, a couple of other things. One, uh, tell me about Kindergarten Amber really quick. Like Amber and me as a kindergarten? Yeah, yeah. You know that one of my favorite kindergarten memories is that at our school, you had a playground in the front and you had a playground in the back and kindergartners only got to go to the one playground. But I decided along with another friend that we should get to go to the back playground where all the other kids were. So one of my favorite kindergarten memories is getting drug in from the back playground and delivered to my kindergarten classroom while everybody else was working hard <laughs> from recess. But who even knows how long we had been out there. Um, so just not playing quite by the rules. That was kindergarten Amber. Little chatty. <laughs> I love that. Let's finish there. Amber, thanks for joining. Thanks for helping me understand a little more about the Enneagram and uh, take care of being both the principal of your house and the principal of your school. You're doing a great job and uh, we'll all make it out the other end of this. Thanks for listening to the Help Me Understand podcast. For more about my work, you can head over to drrobertdillon.com or follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to rate this podcast as it helps alert others to the great conversations and ideas happening in this space. Until next time, this is Dr. Robert Dillon reminding you that an intentional life is filled with awe, curiosity, and joy. 